Chapters 31 through 35 of the History of Reynard the Fox. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Caden von Clegg. The History of Reynard the Fox, edited by Henry Morley. Chapter 31. Which been friends and kin unto Reynard the Fox? The first child is named Beetelos, which is much cherished and can make much sport and game, wherefore is given to him the fat trenchers and much other good meat, which cometh well to profit of Fulromp his brother. And also my third child is a daughter, and is named Hatinit. She can well pick out lice and nits out of men's heads. These three bend to each other true, wherefore I love them well. Dame Rukinar called them forth and said, Welcome, my dear children, to me forth and stand by Reynard, your dear nephew. Then said she, Come forth, all ye that be of my kin and Reynard's, and let us pray the king that he will do to Reynard right of the land. Though came forth many a beast anon, as the squirrel, the muskrat, the fitchews, the marten, the beaver and his wife, Ordgale, the gennet, the otter, the boosing, and the ferret, these twain eat as fain polyel as doth Reynard. The otter and the pantacroet, his wife, whom I had almost forgotten, yet were they to fore with the beaver enemies to the fox, but they durst not gainsay Dame Rukinaw, for they were afraid of her. She was also the wisest of all his kin of counsel, and was most doubted. There came also more than twenty other, because of her, for to stand by Reynard. There came also Dame Atrot, and her two sisters, Weasel and Hermelin the ass, the badger, the water-rat, and many more to the number of forty, which all came in and stood by Reynard the fox. "'My lord the king,' said Rukinaw, "'come and see here if Reynard have any friends. Here may we see, we ben your true subjects, which for you would adventure both life and good if ye had need. Though ye be hardy, mighty, and strong, our well-willed friendship cannot hurt you. Let Reynard the fox well bethink him upon these matters that ye have laid against him, and if he cannot excuse them, then do him right. We desire no better, and this by right ought to no man be warned. The queen then spake. This said I to him yesterday, but he was so fierce and angry that he would not hear it. The leopard said also, Sire, ye may judge no further than your men give their verdict, for if ye would go forth by will and might, that were not worshipful for your estate. Hear always both parties, and then, by the best and wisest counsel, give judgment discreetly according to the best right. The king said, This is all true, but I was so sore moved when I was informed of Coort's death and saw his head, that I was hot and hasty. I shall hear the fox. Can he answer the excuse him of that is laid against him? I shall gladly let him go quit, and also at request of his good friends and kin. Reynard was glad of these words, and thought, God thank mine aunt, she hath the rise to blossom again, she hath well holpen me forth now. I have now a good foot to dance on, I shall now look out of mine eyam, and bring forth the fairest leasing that ever man heard, and bring myself out of this danger. Chapter 32 How the fox with subtlety excused him for the death of Coort the hare, and of all other matters that were laid against him, and how with flattering he gat again his peace of the king. Then spake Reynard the fox, and said, Alas, what say ye? Is Coort dead? And where is Belin the ram? What brought he to you when he came again? For I delivered to him three jewels. I would fain know where they been becomen, that one of them should he have given to you, my lord the king, and the other two to my lady the queen. The king said, Belen brought us not else but Coort's head, like as I said you to fore, whereof I took on him rake. I made him to lose his life, for the foul caitiff said to me that he himself was of the counsel of the letters making that were in the mail. Alas, my lord, is this very truth? Woe to me, caitiff, that ever I was born! Sith that these good jewels be thus lost, mine heart will break for sorrow. I am sorry that I now live. What shall my wife say when she heareth hereof? She shall go out of her wit for sorrow. I shall never all so long as I live have her friendship. She shall make much sorrow when she heareth thereof. The she-ape said, 
Reynard, dear nephew, what profiteth that ye make all this sorrow? Let it pass, and tell us what these jewels were. Peradventure we shall find counsel to have them again. If they be above earth, Master Acherin shall labour for them in his books, and also we shall curse for them in all the churches unto the time that we have knowledge where they been. They may not be lost. Nay, aunt, think not that, for they that have them will not lightly depart from them. There was never king that ever gave so rich jewels as these be. Nevertheless, ye have somewhat with your words eased mine heart, and made it lighter than it was. Alas, lo, here ye may see how he, or they, to whom a man trusteth, most is often by him or them deceived. Though I should go all the world through, and my life and adventure set therefore, I shall wit where these jewels been becoming. With a dismalled and sorrowful speech, said the fox, Hearken ye all my kin and friends, I shall name to you these jewels, what they were, and then may ye say that I have a great loss, that one of them was a ring of fine gold, and within the ring next a finger were written letters enameled with sable and azure, and there were three Hebrew names therein. I could not myself read nay spell them, for I understood not that language, but Master Abrion of Trier, he is a wise man, he understandeth well all manner of languages, and the virtue of all manner herbs, and there is no beast so fierce nay strong but he can dump him for if he see him once he shall do as he will and yet he believeth not on god he is a jew the wisest in cunning and specially he knoweth the virtue of stones i showed him once this ring he said that they were though three names that seth brought out of paradise when he brought to his father adam the oil of mercy and whosoever beareth on him these three names he shall never be hurt by thunder nay lightning, nay no witchcraft shall have power over him, nay be tempted to do sin. And also he shall never take harm by cold, though he lay three winters long nights in the field, though it snowed, stormed, or frore, never so sore. So great might have these words witness of Master Abrion. Without forth on the ring stood a stone of three manner colours. The one part was like red crystal, and shone like as fire had been therein, in such wise that if one would go by night, him behooved none other light. For the shining of the stone made and gave as great a light as it had been midday. That other part of the stone was white and clear as it had been burnished. Whoso had in his iron any smart or soreness, or in his body any swelling or headache or any sickness, without forth if he strike this stone on the place where the grief is, he shall anon be whole. Or if any man be sick in his body of venom, or ill meat in his stomach of colic, strangulation, stone, fistle, or cancer, or any other sickness, save only the very death, let him lay this stone in a little water and let him drink it, and he shall forthwith be whole and all quit of his sickness. Alas, said the fox, we have good cause to be sorry to lose such a jewel. Furthermore, the third color was green like glass, but there were some sprinkles therein like purple. The master told for truth that who that bare this stone upon him should never be hurt of his enemy, and was no man were he never so strong and hardy that might misdo him, and wherever that he fought he should have victory, were at night or by day also fair as he beheld it fasting, and also thereto wheresomever he went and in what fellowship he should be beloved, though he had hated him tofore, if he had the ring upon him they should forget their anger as soon as they saw him. Also, though he were all naked in a field again, and hundred armed men, he should be well-hearted and escape from them with worship. But he must be a noble gentleman, and have no churl's conditions, for then the stone had no might. And because this stone was so precious and good, I thought in myself that I was not able nay worthy to bear it. And therefore I sent it to my dear lord the king, for I know him the most noble that now liveth, and also all our welfare and worship lieth on him and for he should be kept from all dread, need, and ungluck. I found this ring in my father's treasure, and in the same place I took a glass or a mirror and a comb, which my wife would all gates have. A man might wonder that saw these jewels. I sent these to my lady the queen, for I have found in her good and gracious to me. This comb might not be too much praised. It was made of the bone of a clean noble beast named Panthera, which feedeth him between the great Ind and earthly paradise he is so lusty fair and of colour that there is no colour under the heaven but some likeness is in him thereto he smelleth so sweet that the savour of him boteth all sickness 
and for his beauty and sweet smelling all other beasts follow him for by this sweet savour they've been healed of all sickness this panthera hath a fair bone broad and thin when so is that this beast is slain all the sweet odour resteth in the bone which cannot be broken nay shall never rot nay be destroyed by fire by water nay by smiting it is so hardy tight and fast and yet it is light of weight the sweet odour of it hath great might and who that smelleth it set not by none other lust in the world and is eased and quit of all manner diseases and infirmities and also he is jocund and glad in his heart this comb is polished as it were fine silver and the teeth of it be small and straight and between the greater teeth and the smaller is a large field and space where is carven many an image subtly made and enamelled about with fine gold the field is checked with sable and silver enamelled with cybor and azure and therein is the history how venus juno and pallas strove for the apple of gold which each of them would have had which controversy was set upon paris that he should give it to the fairest of them three paris was that time an herdman and kept his father's beasts and sheep without troy when he had received the apple juno promised to him if he would judge that she might have the apple he should have the most riches of the world pallas said if she might have the apple she would give him wisdom and strength and make him so great a lord that he should overcome all his enemies and whom he would venus said what needest thou riches or strength art not thou priamus's son and hector is thy brother which have all asia under their power art not thou one of the possessors of great troy if thou wilt give to me the apple i shall give thee the richest treasure of the world and that shall be the fairest woman that ever had life on earth nay never shall none be born fairer than she then shalt thou be richer than rich and shall climb above all other for that is the treasure that no man can prize enough for honest fair and good women can put away many a sorrow from the heart they be shamefast and wise and bring a man in very joy and bliss paris heard this venus which presented him this great joy and fair lady and prayed her to name this fair lady that was so fair and where she was venus said it is helen king menelaus's wife of greece there liveth not a nobler richer gentler nay wiser wife in all the world then paris gave to her the apple and said that she was fairest how that she got afterward helen by the help of venus and how he brought her into troy and wedded her the great love and jolly life that they had together was all carven in the field everything by himself and the story written now ye shall hear of the mirror the glass that stood thereon was of such virtue that men might see therein all that was done within a mile of men of beasts and of all thing that me would desire to wit and know and what man looked in the glass had he only disease of pricking or motes smart or pearls in his iron he should be anon healed of it such great virtue had the glass is it then wonder if i be moved and angry for to lose such manner jewels the tree in which this glass stood was light and fast and was named katin it should endure ever ere it would rot or worms should hurt it and therefore king solomon sealed his temple with the same wood within forth men praised it dearer than fine gold it is like to the tree of hebanus of which wood king crompart made his horse of tree for love of king morcadigus daughter that was so fair whom he had weaned for to have one that horse was so made within that whosoever rode on it if he would he should be within less than one hour an hundred miles thence and that was well proved for cleomedes the king's son would not believe that that horse of tree had such might and virtue he was young lusty and hardy and desired to do great deeds of praise for to be renowned in this world and leapt on this horse of tree crompart turned a pin that stood on his breast and anon the horse lift him up and went out of the hall by the window and ere one might say this paternoster he was gone more than ten mile away cleomedes was sore afraid and supposed never to have turned again as the history thereof telleth more plainly but how great dread he had and how far that he rode upon that horse made of the tree of hebanus ere he could know the art and craft how he should turn him and how joyful he was when he knew it and how men sorrowed for him and how he knew all this and the joy thereof when he came again all this i pass over for losing of time but the most part of all came to by the virtue of the wood of which wood the tree that the glass stood in was made and that was without forth of the glass half a foot broad 
wherein stood some strange histories which were of gold of sable of silver of yellow azure and sinope these six colors were therein wrought in such wise as it behooved and under every history the words were graven and enamelled that every man might understand what each history was after my judgment there was never mirror so costly so lustly nay so pleasant in the beginning stood there an horse made fat strong and sore envious upon an heart which ran in the field so far and swiftly that the horse was angry that he ran so far tofore him and could not overtake him he thought he could catch him and subdue him though he should suffer much pain therefore the horse spake though to a herdman in this wise if thou couldst take an heart that i well can show thee thou shouldst have great profit thereof thou shouldst sell dear his horns his skin and his flesh the herdman said how may i come by him the horse said sit upon me and i shall bear thee and we shall hunt him till he be take the herdman sprang and sat upon the horse and saw the hart and he rode after but the hart was light of foot and swift and outran the horse far they hunted so far after him that the horse was weary and said to the herdman that sat on him now sit off i will rest me i am all weary and give me to leave to go from thee the herdman said i have arrested thee thou mayest not escape from me i have a bridle on thy head and spurs on my heels thou shalt never have thank hereof i shall bedwinge and subdue thee hadst thou sworn the contrary see how the horse brought himself in thraldom and was taken in his own net how may one better be taken than by his own proper envy suffer himself to be taken and ridden there been many that labour to hurt other and they themselves been hurt and rewarded with the same there was also made an ass and an hound which dwelled both with the rich man the man loved his hound well for he played oft with him as folk do with hounds the hound leapt up and played with his tail and licked his master about the mouth this saw howdwin the ass and had great spite thereof in his heart and said to himself how may this be and what may my lord see on his foul hound whom i never see doth good nay profit save springeth on him and kisseth him but me whom men put into labour to bear and draw and do more in a week than he with his fifteen should do in a whole year and yet sitteth he nevertheless by him at the table and there eateth bones flesh and fat trenchers and i have nothing but thistles and nettles and lie on nights on the hard earth and suffer many a scorn i will no longer suffer this i will think how i may get my lord's love and friendship like as the hound doth therewith came the lord and the ass lift up his tail and sprang with his four feet on the lord's shoulders and blared grinned and sang and with his feet made two great bowls about his ears and put forth his mouth and would have kissed the lord's mouth as he had seen the hound done though cried the lord sore afraid help help this ass will slay me then came his servants with staves and smiten and beat the ass so sore that he had weaned he should have lost his life though returned he to his stable and ate thistles and nettles and was an ass as he tofore was in likewise whoso have enough in spite of another's welfare and were served in likewise it should be well be hopeful therefore it is concluded that the ass shall eat thistles and nettles and bear the sack though men would do him worship he cannot understand it but must use old lewd manners whereas asses get in lordships their men see seldom good rule for they take heed of nothing but on their singular profit yet when they take up and rise in great the more pity is hearken further how my father and tibbert the cat went together and had sworn by their truth that for love nay hate they should not depart and what they gat they should depart to each other the half then on a time they saw hunters coming over the field with many hounds they leapt and ran fast from themward all that they might as they that were afraid of their life tibbert said the fox whither shall we now best flee and the hunters have espied us know ye any help my father trusted on the promise that each made to other and that he would for no need depart from him tibbert said he i have a sack full of wiles if we have need as far as we abide together we need not to doubt hunters nay hounds tibbert began to sigh and was sore afraid and said reynard what avail in many words i know but one while and thither must i too and though claim he up on a high tree into the top under the leaves whereas hunter nay hound might do him none harm and left my father alone in jeopardy of his life for the hunters set on him the hounds all that they could men blew the horns and cried and hallooed the fox slee and take 
when Tibbert the cat saw that he mocked and scorned my father, and said, What, Reynard cousin, unbind now your sack where all the whiles been in? It is now time. Ye be so wise called, help yourself, for ye have need. This much must my father hear of him, to whom he had most his trust on, and was almost taken, and nigh his death. And he ran and fled with great fear of his life, and let his mail slide off, because he would be the lighter. Yet all that could not help him, for the hounds were too swift, and should have bitten him. But he had one adventure that thereby he found an old hole, wherein he crept and escaped thus the hunters and hounds. Thus held this false deceiver Tibbert, his psycherness that he had promised. Alas, how many been there nowadays that keep not their promise, and set not thereby, though they break it? And though I hate Tibbert herefore, is it wonder? But I do not. Psycherly, I love my soul too well thereto. Nevertheless, if I saw him in adventure, and misfall in his body, or in his goods, I trow it should not much go to my heart so that another did it. Nevertheless, I shall neither hate him, nay have envy at him. I shall, for God's love, forgive him. Yet it is not so clear out of mine heart, but a little ill-will to himward abideth therein, as this cometh to my remembrance. And the cause is that the sensuality of my flesh fighteth against reason. There stood also in that mirror of the wolf, how he found once upon a heath a dead horse flaying. But all the flesh was eaten, though went he and bote great morsels of the bones, that for hunger he took three or four at once and swallowed them in. For he was so greedy that one of the bones stacked thwart in his mouth, whereof he had great pain, and was of great fear of his life. He sought all about for wise masters and surgeons, and promised great gifts for to be healed of his disease. At last, when he could nowhere find remedy, he came to the crane with his long neck and bill, and prayed him to help him, and he would love and reward him so well that he should ever be the better. The crane harked after this great reward, and put his head into his throat, and brought out the bone with his bill. The wolf started aside with the plucking, and cried out, Alas! Thou doest me harm, but I forgive it thee. Do no more so, I would not suffer it of another. The crane said, Sir Isgrim, go and be merry, for ye be all whole. Now give to me that ye promised. The wolf said, Will ye hear what he saith? I am he that hath suffered, and have caused a plain, and he will have good of me. He thanketh not me of the kindness that I did to him. He put his head in my mouth, and I suffered him to draw it out whole without hurting, and he did to me also harm. And if any here should have a reward, it should be I by right. Thus the unkind men nowadays reward them that do them good. When the false and subtle arise and become great, then goeth worship and profit all to naught. There been many of right that ought reward and do good to such as have helpen them in their need, that now find causes and say they be hurt, and would have amends where they ought to reward and make amends themselves. Therefore it is said, and trust it is, who that will chide or chastise, see that he be clear himself. All this, and much more than I now can well remember, was made and wrought in this glass. The master that ordained it was a cunning man, and a profound clerk in many sciences. And because these jewels were over good and precious for me to keep and have, therefore I sent them to my dear lord the king, and to the queen in present. Where been they now that give to their lord such presents? The sorrow that my two children made when I sent away the glass was great, for they were wont to look therein and see themselves how their clothing and array became them on their bodies. Oh, alas, I knew not that Kurt the Hare was so nigh his death when I delivered him the mail with these jewels. I was not to whom I might better have taken them, though it should have cost me my life, than him and Belen the Ram. They were two of my best friends. Out, alas, I cry upon the murderer. I shall know who it was though I should run through all the world to seek him, for murder abideth not hid. It shall come out. Peradventure he is in this company that knoweth where Coort is becomen, though he telleth it not. For many false shrews walk with good men, from whom no man can keep him. They know in their craft so well, and can well cover their falseness. But the most wonder that I have is that my lord the king here saith so filly, that my father, nor I, did him never good. That thinketh me marvel of a king. But there come so many things to fore him that he forgetteth that one with that other, and so fareth by me. Dear Lord, remember not ye when my lord your father lived, 
and ye a youngling of two year were that my father came from school from montpelier whereas he had five years studied in the recipes of medicines he knew all the tokens of the urine as well as his hand and also all the herbs and nature of them which were viscous or laxative he was a singular master in that science he might well wear a cloth of silk and a gilt girdle when he came to court he found the king in a great sickness whereof he was sorry in his heart for he loved him above all other lords the king would not forgo him for when he came all other had leave to walk where they would he trusted none so much as him he said reynard i am sick and feel me the longer the worse my father said my dear lord here is an urinal make your water therein and as soon as i may see it i shall tell what sickness it is and also how ye shall be holpen the king did as he counselled him for he trusted no better man that lived though so were that my father did not as he should have done to you but that was by counsel of evil and foul beasts i had wonder thereof but it was a raising against his death he said my lord if ye will be whole ye must eat the liver of a wolf of seven year old that may ye not leave or else ye shall die for your urine showeth it plainly the wolf stood thereby and said not but the king said to him sir Eskrim, now ye hear well that i must have your liver if i will be whole though answered the wolf and said nay my lord not so i wot well i am not yet five year old i have heard my mother say so my father said what skilleth these words let him be opened and shall know by the liver if it be good for you or not and therewith the wolf was taken to kitchen and his liver taken out which the king ate and was anon all whole of all his sickness then thanketh he my father much and commanded all his household upon their lives that after that time they should call him master reynard he abode still by the king and was believed of all things and must always go by his side and the king gave to him a garland of roses which he must always wear on his head but now this all turned all the good things that he did be forgotten and these covetous and ravenous shrews been taken up and set on the high bench and been heard and made great and the wise folk been put aback by which these lords oft lack and cause them to be in much trouble and sorrow for when a covetous man of low birth is made a lord and is much great and above his neighbours hath power and might then he knoweth not himself nay whence he is coming and hath no pity on no man's hurt nay heareth no man's request but if he may have great gifts all his intent and desire is to gather good and to be greater oh how many covetous men been now in lords courts they flatter and sneak and please the prince for their singular avail but an the prince had need of them or their good they should rather suffer him to die or fare right hard ere they would give or lend him they be like the wolf that had liefer the king had died than he would give him his liver yet had i liefer ere that the king or the queen should fare amiss that twenty such wolves should lose their lives it were also the least loss my lord all this befell in your youth that my father did thus i trow ye have forgotten it and also i have myself done you reverence worship and courtesy unroused be it though ye now thank me but little but peradventure ye remembered not that i shall say now not to any forwitting of you for ye be worthy all worship and reverence that any man can do that have ye of almighty god by inheritance of your noble progenitors wherefore i your humble subject and servant am bounden to do to you all the service that i can or may i came on a time walking with the wolf isagrim and we had gotten under us both a swine and for his loud crying we bid him to death and sire ye came from far out of a grove against us ye saluted us friendly and said we were welcome and that ye and my lady the queen which came after you had great hunger and had nothing for to eat and prayed us for to give you part of our winning he screamed spake so soft that a man unneth might hear him but i spake out and said yea my lord with a good will though it were more we will well that ye have part and then the wolf departed as he was wont to do departed and took that one half for himself and he gave you a quarter for you and for the queen that other quarter he ate and bid as hastily as he might because he would eat it alone and he gave to me but half the lungs that i pray god that evil might he fare thus showed he his conditions and nature ere men should have sung in a credo yea my lord had eaten your part and yet would ye fain have had more for ye were not full and because he gave you no more nay proffered you 
ye lift up your right foot and smote him between the ears that ye tore his skin over his iron and though he might no longer abide but he bled howled and ran away and left his part there lying though said ye to him haste ye again hither and bring to us more and hereafter see better to how ye deal and part then said i my lord if it please you i will go with him i wot well what ye said i went with him he bled and groaned as sore as he was all softly he durst not cry loud we went so far that we brought a caliph and when ye saw us come therewith ye laughed for ye were well pleased ye said to me that i was swift in hunting i see well that ye can find well when ye take it upon you ye be good to send forth in a need the calf is good and fat hereof shall ye be the dealer i said my lord with a good will the one half my lord shall be for you and that other half for my lady the queen the mogetis liver lungs and the inward shall be for your children the head shall isgrim the wolf have and i will have the feet though said ye reynard who hath taught you to depart so courteously my lord said i that hath done this priest that sitteth here with the bloody crown he lost his skin with the uncourteous departing of the swine and for his courtesy and raven he hath hurt and shame alas there be many wolves nowadays that without right and reason destroy and eat them that they may have the overhand of they spare neither flesh nor blood friend nor enemy what they can get that take they o oh, woe be to that land and to towns whereas the wolves have the overhand my lord this and many other good thing have i done for you that i could well tell if it were not too long of which now you remember little by the words i hear of you if you would all thing oversee well ye would not say as ye do i have seen the day that there should no great matter be concluded in this court without mine advice albeit that this adventure is now fallen it might happen yet that my words shall be heard and also believed as well as another's as far as right will for i desire none other for if there be any can say and make good by sufficient witnesses that i have trespassed i will abide all the right and law that may come thereof and if any say on me anything of which he can bring no witnesses let me then be ruled after the law and custom of this court the king said reynard ye say reasonably i know not of coort's death more than that bellin the ram brought his head hither in the mail thereof i let you go quit for i have no witness thereof my dear lord said reynard god thank you sycherly ye do well for this death maketh me so sorrowful that methinketh my heart will break in two oh when they departed from me mine heart was so heavy that i should have swooned i wot well it was a token of the loss that thou was so nigh coming to me all the most part of them that were there and heard the fox's words of the jewels and how he made his countenance and stretched him had verily supposed that it had not be feigned but that it had be true they were sorry of his loss and misadventure and also of his sorrow the king and the queen had both pity of him and bade him to make not too much sorrow but that he should endeavour him to seek them for he had so much praised them that they had great will and desire to have them and because he had made them to understand that he had sent these jewels to them though they never had them yet they thanked him and prayed him to help that they might have them the fox understood their meaning well he thought toward them but little good for all that he said god thank you my lord and my lady that ye so friendly comfort me in my sorrow i shall not rest night nay day nay all they that will do anything for me but run and pray threaten and ask all the four quarters of the world though i should ever seek till that i know where they been becoming and i pray you my lord the king that if they were in such place as i could not get them by prayer by might nay by request that ye would assist me and abide by me for it toucheth yourself and the good is yours and also it is your part to do justice on theft and murder which both been in this case reynard said the king that shall i not leave when ye know where they been mine help shall be alway ready for you o oh, dear lord this is too much presented to me if i had power and might i should deserve against you now hath the fox his matter fast and fair for he hath the king in his hand as he would him thought that he was in better case than it was like to have be he hath made so many leasings that he may go freely where he will without complaining of any of them all save iscrim which was to himward angry and displeased and said o noble king are ye so much childish that ye believe this false and subtle shrew and suffer yourself with false lies thus to be deceived 
of faith it should be long, or I should believe him. He is in murder and treason all bewrapped, and he mocketh you for your visage. I shall tell him another tale. I am glad that I see now him here. All his leasings shall not avail him ere he depart from me. Chapter 33 How Eastgreen the Wolf Complained Again on the Fox My lord, I pray you to take heed. This false thief betrayed my wife once foul and dishonestly. It was so that in a winter's day they went together through a great water, and he bare my wife and hand, that he would teach her take fish with her tail, and that she should let it hang in the water a good while, and there should so much fish cleave on it, that four of them should not con eat it. The fool my wife supposed he had said truth, and she went in the mire ere she came into the water. And when she was in the deepest of the water, he bade her hold her tail till that the fish were coming. She held her tail so long that it was frozen hard in the ice, and she could not pluck it out. And when he saw that, he sprang up after on her body. She could not defend herself, the silly beast. She stood so deep in the mire. Hereof he cannot say nay, for I found him with the deed. Alas, what pain suffered I, though, at my heart! I had almost for sorrow lost my five wits, and cried as loud as I might, and when he saw me so nigh he went his way. I went to her in a great heaviness, and went deep in that mire, and that water ere I could break the ice, and much pain suffered she ere she could have out her tail, and yet left a gobbet of her tail behind her, and we were like both thereby to have lost our lives, for she yelped and cried so loud for the smart that she had ere she came out, that the men of the village came out with staves and bills, with flail and pickforks, and the wives with their distaffs, and cried despotously, Slay, slay, and smite downright. I was never in my life so afraid, for unneth we escape. We ran so fast that we sweat. There was a villain that sake on us with a pike, which hurted us sore. He was strong and swift afoot. Had it not been night, certainly we had been slain. The foul old queens would have fain beaten us. They said that we had bitten their sheep. They cursed us with many a curse. Though came we in a field full of broom and brambles, there hid we us from the villains, and they durst not follow us further by night, but returned home again. See, my lord, this foul matter. Ye ought to do justice thereon sharply. Reynard answered and said, If this were true, it should go too nigh mine honour and worship. God forbid that it should be found true. It is well true that I taught her how she should, in a place, catch fish, and showed her a good way for to go over into the water without going into the mire. But she ran so desirously when she heard me name the fish, that she neither way nor path held, but went into the ice wherein she was forfrown, and that was because she abode too long. She had fish enough, if she could have be pleased with measure. It falleth oft, who that would have all, loseth all. Over covetous was never good, for the beast cannot be satisfied, and when I saw her in the ice so fast I went to have holpen her, and to have brought her out, but it was all pain lost, for she was too heavy for me. Though came Eastgrim, and saw how I did all my best, and he, as a foul churl, foul and ribidously slandereth me with her, as these foul unthrifts been wont to do. But, my dear lord, it was none otherwise. He belieth me falsely. Peradventure his iron dazzled as he looked from above down. He cried and cursed me and swore many an oath. I should, dear Abiat. When I heard him so curse and threaten, I went my way, and let him curse and threaten till he was weary. And though went he and help his wife out, and then he leapt and ran, and she also, for to get them on heat and to warm them, or else they should have died for cold. And whatsoever I have said, afore or after, that is clearly all truth. I would not for a thousand mark of fine gold lie to you one leasing. It were not fitting for me. Whatsomever fall of me, I shall say the truth, like as mine elders have always done since the time that we first understood reason. And if ye be in doubt of anything that I have said otherwise than truth, give me respite of eight days, that I may have counsel, and I shall bring such information with good true and sufficient record that ye shall all your life during trust and believe me. And so shall all your counsel also. What have I to do with the wolf? 
it is to fore clearly enough showed that he is a foul villainous caitiff and an unclean beast when he dealed and departed the swine so it is now known to you all by his own words that he is a defamer of women as much as in him is ye may well mark your reckoning now ask ye his wife if it be so as he saith if she will say the truth i wot well she shall say as i do though spake erstwind the wolf's wife ark fell reynard no man can keep himself from thee thou canst so well utter thy words and thy falseness and reason set forth but it shall be evil rewarded in the end how broughtest thou me once into the well where the two buckets hung by one cord running through one pulley which went one up and another down thou sattest in that one bucket beneath in the pit in great dread i came thither and heard thee sigh and make sorrow and asked thee how thou camest there thou saidest that thou hadst there so many good fishes eaten out of the water that thy belly would burst i said tell me how i shall come to thee then saidst thou and spring into that bucket that hangeth there and ye shall come anon to me i did so and i went downward and ye came upward though was i all angry thou saidst thus fareth the world that one goeth up and another goeth down though sprang ye forth and went your way and i abode there alone sitting a whole day sore and hungered and a cold and there too had i many a stroke ere i could get thence auntie said the fox though the strokes did you harm i had liever ye had them than i for ye may better bear them for one of us must needs have had them i taught you good will ye understand it and think on it that ye another time take better heed and believe no man over hastily is he friend or cousin for every man seeketh his own profit they be now fools that do not so and specially when they be in jeopardy of their lives chapter thirty four a fair parable of the fox and the wolf my lord said dame erswind i pray you hear how he can blow with all winds and how fair bringeth he his matters forth thus hath he brought me many time in scathe and hurt said the wolf he hath once betrayed me to the she-ape mine aunt where i was in great dread and fear for i left there almost mine one ear if the fox will tell it how it befell i will give him the fordell thereof for i cannot tell it so well but he shall berisp me well said the fox i shall tell it without stammering i shall say the truth i pray you hearken me he came into the wood and complained to me that he had great hunger for i saw him never so full but he would always have had vain more i have wonder where the meat becometh that he destroyeth i see now in his countenance that he beginneth to grim for hunger when i heard him so complain i had pity of him and i said i was also hungry then went we half a day together and found nothing though whined he and cried and said he might go no further then espied i a great hole standing in the middest under an haw which was thick of brambles and i heard a rushing therein i wist not what it was then said i go therein and look if there be anything there for us i wot well there is somewhat though said he cousin i would not creep into that hole for twenty pound but i wist first what is therein methinketh that there is some perilous thing but i shall abide here under this tree if ye will go therein to four but come anon again and let me weep what thing is therein ye can many a subtlety and can well help yourself and much better than i see my lord the king thus he made me poor white to go to fore into the danger and he which is great long and strong abode without and rested him in peace await if i did not for him there i would not suffer the dread and fear that i there suffered for all the good in earth but if i wist how to escape i went heartily in i found the way dark long and broad ere i right in the hole came so espied i a great light which came in from that one side there lay in a great ape with twain great wide iron and they glimmed as a fire and she had a great mouth with long teeth and sharp nails on her feet and on her hands i weened it had be a mermouse a bobbin or a mercat for i saw never fouler beast and by her lay three of her children which were right foul for they were right like the mother when they saw me come they gaped and wide on me and were all still i was afraid and would well i had been thence but i thought i am therein i must there through and come out as well as i may as i saw her methought she seemed more than east green the wolf and her children were than i i saw never a fouler mane 
they lay on foul hay which was all bepissed they were beslabbed and beclagged to their ears too in their own dung it stank that i was almost smothered thereof i durst not say but good and then i said aunt god give you good day and all my cousins your fair children they be of their age the fairest that i ever saw o lord god how well please they me how lovely how fair be they each of them for their beauty might be a great king's son of right we ought to thank you that ye thus increase our lineage dear aunt when i heard say that ye were delivered and laid down i could no longer abide but must come and friendly visit you i am sorry that i had not erst known it reynard cousin said she ye be welcome for that ye have found me and thus come see me i thank you dear cousin ye be right true and named right wise in all lands and also that ye gladly further and bring your lineage in great worship ye must teach my children with yours some wisdom that they may know what they shall do and leave i have thought on you for gladly ye go and fellowship with the good oh how well was i pleased when i heard these words this deserved i at the beginning when i called her aunt howbeit that she was nothing sib to me for my right aunt is Dame Rukinaw, that yonder standeth, which is wont to bring forth wise children. I said, Aunt, my life and my good is at your commandment, and what I may do for you by night and by day, I will gladly teach them all that I can. I would fain have be thence for the stench of them, and also I had pity of the great hunger that Eskrim had. I said, Aunt, I shall commit you and your fair children to God, and take my leave. My wife shall think me long after dear cousin said she ye shall not depart till ye have eaten for if ye did i would say that ye were not kind though stood she up and brought me in another hole whereas was much meat of hearts and hinds roes pheasants partridges and much other venison that i wondered from whence all this meat might come and when i had eaten my belly full she gave me a great piece of an hind for to eat with my wife and with my household when i come home i was ashamed to take it but I might none otherwise do. I thanked her and took my leave. She bade me I should come soon again. I said I would, and so departed thence merrily that I so well had sped. I hasted me out, and when I came, saw Eskrim, which lay groaning, and I asked him how he fared. He said, Nephew, all evil, for it is wonder that I live. Bring ye any meat to me? I die for hunger. Though had I compassion of him, and gave him that I had, and saved him there his life, whereof then he thanked me greatly howbeit that he now oweth me evil will he had eaten this up anon though said he reynard dear cousin what found ye in that hole i am more hungry now than i was tofore my teeth been now sharp to eat i said then m haste you then lightly into that hole ye shall find there enough there lieth mine aunt with her children if ye will spare the truth and lie great leasings ye shall have there all your desire but an ye say truth ye shall take harm my lord was not this enough said and warned whoso would understand it that all that he found he should say the contrary but rude and plump beasts cannot understand wisdom therefore hate they all subtle inventions for they cannot conceive them yet nevertheless he said he would go in and lie so many leasings ere he should mishap that all men should have wonder of it and so went forth into that foul stinking hole and found the marmoset she was like the devil's daughter and on her hung much filth clotted in goblets though cried he alas me growleth of these foul knickers come they out of hell men may make devils afraid of them go and drown them that evil might they fear i saw never fouler worms they make all mine hair to stand right up sir eskrim said she what may i do thereto they've been my children and i must be their mother what lieth that in your way whether they be foul or fair they have you nothing cost here hath been one to-day before you which was to them nigh of kin and was your better and wiser and he said that they were fair who hath sent you hither with these tidings dame will ye wit i will eat of your meat it is better bestowed on me than on these foul whites she said here is no meat he said here is enough and therewith he stirred with his head toward the meat and would have gone into the hole where the meat was but mine aunt stirred up with her children and run to him with their sharp long nails so sore that the blood ran over his iron i heard him cry sore and howl but i know of no defence but that he ran fast out of the hole 
and he was there scratched and beaten, and many an hole had they made in his coat and skin. His visage was all on a blood, and almost he had lost his one ear. He groaned and complained to me sore, then asked I him if he had well lied. He said, I said like as I saw and found, and that was a foul beast with many foul whites. Nay, M, said I, ye should have said fair niece, how fair ye and your children, which been my well-beloved cousins. The wolf said, I had liefer that they were hanged ere I that said. Yea, M, therefore, must ye receive such manner payment. It is better otherwhile to lie than to say truth. They that been better wiser and stronger than we be have done so to for us. See, my lord the king, thus got he his red quaff. Now standeth he all so simply as he knew no harm. I pray you ask ye him if it was not thus. He was not far off, if I wot it well. Chapter 35 How Eastgrim proffered his glove for the fox to fight with him. The wolf said, I may well forbear your mocks and your scorns, and also your fell venomous words, strong thief that ye are. Ye said that I was almost dead for hunger, when ye helped me in my need. That is falsely lied, for it was but a bone that ye gave to me. Ye had eaten away all the flesh that was thereon, and ye mock me and say that I am hungry. Here where I stand, that toucheth my worship too nigh. What many a spitey word have ye brought forth with false leasings, and that I have conspired the king's death from the treasure that ye have said to him is in Holsterlow, and ye have also my wife shamed and slandered, that she shall never recover it, and I should ever be disworshipped thereby if I avenged it not. I have forborne you long, but now ye shall not escape me. I cannot make hereof great proof, but I say here to fore my lord and to fore all them that been here, that thou art a false traitor and a murderer, and that I shall prove and make good on thy body within lists, in the field, and that body against body, and then shall our strife have an end. And thereto I cast to thee my glove, and take thou it up, I shall have right of thee, or die therefore. Reynard the fox thought, How come I on this campaign? We been not both like. I shall not well con stand against this strong thief. All my proof is now come to an end. End of chapters thirty one through thirty five.